Ready? Yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Where did you grow up at? Garfield Heights. Garfield, Pittsburgh, PA? Pittsburgh, PA, yeah. How did you get the nickname Papa? That was my great-grandfather's name. Really? And then what, mommy gave you that? Yeah, my grandmother gave it to me. So you had that name ever since a kid, Papa? Mm-hmm. Okay. How was it like in your neighborhood around that time where it was like street rivalry? Like, I guess people would call it gang banging days and things like that. How was it like living in that type of environment? Uh, well, you know, you always, you always had to be on your P's and Q's when you was out there because you never know when something was going to happen. Like it happened every day, all day, street-wise, for real. Like you had to know what was going on. At a young age, right? Yeah. So me and my mom always talk about your childhood. She referenced your childhood as you went from glasses to a gangster. You want to talk about that transformation? I really, the transformation, I really don't know how it happened. You know, I've I seen things that was going on in the neighborhood and and being around my friends, like we, it was more or less like we, uh, we was taking care of each other. And, and it just turned into like a like a gang thing, like a brotherhood, right? Yeah, yeah. that's then it turned into a gang thing after that. So let's talk about. Okay, I'm reading this from this document, mm-hmm. and I don't know if you heard this, but if you didn't, let me know. It says, according to the indictment on or about September 6, thousand and twelve, mm-hmm. you were charged with cocaine trafficking, and later. Your daughter, Masheree Millender, passed away. Mm-hmm. So WTAE Pittsburgh published an article that read, Pittsburgh drug dealer to view his daughter's body in court. Did you hear about this article? And if you did, how did that make you feel with that subtitle? I didn't hear about the article, but they did let me go view her body down in the federal building. Like it was, I think it was the first time it ever been done in Pennsylvania. Yes. And uh, that was a hard thing. Like I shouldn't have done it. Why? Because when I was in there, you know, they had me shackled from head to toe. And, you know, they opened the top of the casket. I think, no, they had the whole casket open, but her her lower body was covered. Mm -hmm. And it was like maybe 12 agents, like, just surrounding us. And they told me I couldn't be within three feet of the casket. You know, and it's hard to be, you don't want to be emotional in front of all those federal agents. You know, they're all staring at me and... It was just, I shouldn't have done it. Like, I shouldn't have done that. Mm. Like, it just messed my whole memory up. Like, my whole, you know, I couldn't grieve the way I could have. So I still had, like, got it all kind of built up in me. Right. Like, and all them ages being down there, I couldn't, I, I refused to let myself cry in front of them. Exactly. You didn't want them to yeah. at that vulnerable state. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So how do you feel about them printing that article, kind of overshadowing her death and putting your charges out there with her? As your family, we felt it was it was kind of rude. How do you feel about that? Well, you know, um, the media they're gonna try to vilify you, know, no matter how they how you are, how they how they perceive they're gonna perceive you to be the worst at all times. Like they're not gonna shed no no uh, positive light on no situation if they right. can shed negative light on it. So you know, KDKA and WPXI. They've been saying bad things about me since I was a teenager. So, right. so that wasn't nothing new to me. I, you know, so I, I expected out of them. You expected it. 
Okay, so what was your grieving process like in prison? Because I heard you say you didn't really get the chance to grieve. You didn't have your family members there. You were basically by yourself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, you know, in jail, you know, you got to put up that that wall around yourself. You never really have time alone, so I really couldn't let it all out like I like I wanted to, like okay. I needed to, you know. Like you needed to. Yeah, so it was a lot of pent-up anger. Right. So what did your time teach you about yourself and the people that were around you, your loved ones and people that you thought were your friends? What did that teach you? Uh, it taught me that, as far as friends, it taught me that, you know, it was like people like, not not from my neighborhood, but it was like people from other neighborhoods that was really, you know, they were sending me things and they was, you know, it was writing me. Like, I didn't really hear too much from, you know, my, my, my so-called friends when, when, you know, when I when I got indicted and when I st- when, uh, that stuff happened with Riri. You know, it was mainly like, you know, like off-brand people. People that you didn't expect. People you would never, I'd never expect. So how does that change how you move now that you're home from prison? I mainly stay with my family. You know, your mom, she asked me uh, a couple of weeks ago. She said, well, uh, where's your friends at? And I told her, I'm, like, I'm talking to him on the phone. <laughs> I love to- that for us. <laughs> yeah, I'm talking to her on the phone. Right. Hey, you, you're my friend. You right. know, I don't, I don't need friends. I don't, friends, friends turn to enemies. Does that make you change how you go about for us? Like, I've always known you to be a good hearted person. I've seen you take care of families and things like that. Does that change how you are as a person? No, it just taught me to take care of my family more. Mm. Period. I love yeah, that. Yeah, better. More more attentive to my family. Right. If you can go back in time, what would you have done differently? If I could go back in time, like as far as uh, as far, going to prison? Yeah. I would have got my CDL like I did in prison. I got my CDL in prison, but I should have got it when I was on the street and gave it up because... When you out there in the street, like you've been in there so long, you could really like, I don't know if people know this or not, but you can really feel like when something's happening, like when something's, something's going, like I felt it. Mm, you felt, I felt it. it, but I just couldn't, I couldn't get out of it. I couldn't pull myself out of it. Right. Like I was already, I was, I was in too deep. So you're saying you will follow your intuition more. I, I will follow my intuition. Exactly. Okay. I get you. Okay. Yeah. In your opinion, why do you think some people turn informant or on a street word would be a snitch, rat, or et cetera? There's, there's a whole lot of reasons. Some people just don't want to go to jail. Some people just want to get back home to women. You know, some people want to get back to what they had and all that. I don't know. I, I, that's a hard question to answer because I, I, I've never even thought about telling. Like, I was going to take what was coming to me regardless. What made you stand solid? Your Your daughter passed away. Your nephew, so many things happened to you while you were in prison that could have made you make these different decisions. What made you want to stand solid and take your, you know, consequences or whatever was coming to you? Actually, you know, stuff to happen with Riri and Taru, like in prison, that really made me stronger. Mm. You know, I didn't look at it as, well, I'm going to be weak and do this. I looked at it as they would never want me to do this. And, and and I and I, I took that and I just that just made me stronger, more more fortified in myself. I respect that because sometimes those situations make people weaker, weaker. Yeah. and made you stronger. So that tells a lot about you. Mm-hmm. So how does snitching affect a family on both sides? See, people who tell, 
They don't. They're only thinking about themselves. They're not thinking about their mother, sister, and brothers they have out on the street. Mm. And you know, uh, you know, people if they can't get you, you know what I mean. They'll they'll do something to your family. Right. But people don't be looking at it like that. They're just looking at it. I'm I'm trying to get out of jail. Selfish. Selfish. Yeah. Exactly. So how does that affect the other opposite side as far as you and you staying solid in your family? Like, how does that affect your family? I think uh, me standing, you know, the way I stood, the way I looked at it, you know, I think they all respected me more for that. You know, and I think I, if, if, if I would have told, I think I would have lost all the respect and I, I, I couldn't face that. Mm-hmm. Looking at your mother every day. No, and I didn't tell Nah, I couldn't. I couldn't even Wife. look at her. Yeah. Yeah. In your opinion, why do you think it's so hard for some street guys to stay humble at when they reach a certain level? Uh, some guys just they live for the attention. They they live for they live for the the fast cars, jewelry, and not knowing at the end of the day when you when they get you that stuff don't mean nothing because they're gonna take it anyway. They gonna take it all. Yeah, like you said in the LS episode, yeah. the feds will come take it away anyway. Everything. Right. They'll take your change jar. Mm. They'll take it all. So if they're smart, they get out the streets because that ain't the place to be. What's your definition of a real man? You know, I hear so many men compliment you and say that you are a role model. They looked up to you. Some would say a street legend. What is your definition of a real man? Well... My definition of a real man is somebody who gets up every day and goes to work and feeds his family. Like my uncle, like Uncle Fat Man, Uncle Leon, like they get up, they never been in the streets, never been in trouble. They get up every day and go to work and take care of their family. That's the definition of a real man. Yeah, you kicking knowledge. I love that. I remember growing up, you always used to say, Good girls finish last. Do you still believe that? And what exactly does that mean? First of all, me saying that, I really, I guess I, I was young. I really didn't know what I was talking about then because the way I feel now is, like, a lot of females aren't taught how to be wives. Mm. Like, they're taught how to be independent and I got my own this and own that, thinking that they don't need a man. But in reality, a woman needs a man as much as a man needs a woman. I love that. In your opinion, why is it so hard for some females to hold a man down during a bid? Because she she probably feel like she she she's wasting her she's wasting her life. And in reality, she I mean, she probably never loved him from the beginning anyway. Like doing time with somebody that's a hard thing to do. That's a hard thing to do. It's 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 probably it's not as hard as doing time, but it's 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 a vast percentage of it. Like it's hard. And I tip my heart to any woman that, you know, sticks with her through through a through a bed, especially an 11-year bed like I had. Yeah, because that's, I mean, you need that support. Definitely um, need that support. You know? Yeah. So what at, what at what point is it okay to let them go? And while you're thinking, I asked Uncle Ty this question. He said basically whenever they feel like it's too much for them. Yeah. Do you agree with that, or do you think? Well, it I think she on the could situation? always. I think she could always be his friend. Mm. You know what I mean? She, you know, if she's going, it ain't it ain't what you do; it's how you do it. If you're going to do what you do, like you, you don't have to put it out there. If you want to move on, just tell him. 
And he, I mean, he's he's in prison. Like, it's going to hurt him for a minute, but he'll get over it. Right. So you're saying keep it real. Yeah. Yeah. Like that. Okay. Do you have any advice for the young street guys out there? Yeah. Give it up before they make you. Mm. Before they make yeah, you. Yeah, because they, yeah, they going to make you. They going to make you give it up. Whether you get this bid and you do a little five years to come home and do the same thing you did before, and they gonna get you again. And don't nobody wanna spend the rest of their life in prison about no about being in the streets. The stuff that don't mean nothing anyway. Right. Do you think, in your opinion, can street females be exempt from the label snitch? So if they're in a the street life and they get into trouble, and then they tell on whoever was involved. Are they exempt from being called a snitch or are they? Mm-mm. Okay. Mm-mm. She's in the streets. If she's in the streets. Only people that could be exempt from being a snitch is a civilian. You expect them to go to the police because that's what they, you know, that's what they know. Like somebody in the streets, they, they, you in the streets, you, you call yourself living by a street code. Right. So if you get caught doing whatever you're doing, you tell, you're a rat, whether you're a man or a woman. Okay. What is the craziest thing you, I know everybody wants to know this about somebody in prison. What's the craziest thing you've ever witnessed in prison? That you could talk about. Well, you know, the feds is like, the feds is like real crazy. Like, well, one time I seen, you know, the dude, they'll test you. Like, he left something on his, like, you know, they got a TV room. They got a bunch of chairs in there where this is my chair, this is your chair, this is his chair. And they all sectioned off. Like, this might be Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Philly, New York, or, you know, it's all sectioned off. So the dude left something on his chair. He left it there for two days. Mm. So the dude moved it. He hit him with a lock and a sock. Wow. Yeah, just for moving it, just for moving something out, putting it on the other chair. So in the feds, you don't touch nobody else's stuff. Mm. You don't never touch nobody else's stuff. What is the difference with like a fed sentence and uh, like a state sentence as far as like how people act in the prison, like the, with the inmate? They act the same way, but when you're in the state, you want more people from your cities. Like you might be with a bunch of people from your neighborhood. During the feds, you were in with people from your city. And you might go to some prisons where you were just with people from the state. So, you know, you you got to all, y'all got to all be together. You got to stick together. Yeah, right? in the states, you don't really have to stick together because it might be 200 people from Pittsburgh there, 300 people from Philly. Like, you, you mess with who you want to mess with. The feds ain't like that. Mm, you got to stick to the rules in the feds. Yeah, you got to stick to the rules. Right, because there's people from everywhere, right? All over the country. What advice do you have for someone currently doing a bid? My best advice for them would be keep keep your head low and come home to your family. Like that prison stuff, it don't mean nothing. Like you you got to defend yourself and and all that stuff. But if you, if you don't have to do it, and you, you need to come home to your family, just do what you got to do, do and get you gotta out. You got to do to come home. Yeah. Do you have any regrets? I don't have any regrets about uh, going to prison because. You know, it's a it's a it's a lesson learned. Only regret I have about being in prison was I wasn't there for to ruin my Cherie. Mm. You know, that's my only regret. But I, I wouldn't I wouldn't change because I learned a lot. I grew a lot as a man. In prison, you know, you you come to learn yourself better. Like you learn your you learn your capabilities, your mental capabilities. You know, and it tests you. And I feel like you know, like right now I'm working. You know, I never had a job before. How's that? It's good. It's good. I'm working, but, you know, and I feel like if this wouldn't happen, like, I probably wouldn't have never got a job. I would mm. still be in the street. Wow. So, it didn't have to be this long, but. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, we're here. <laughs> yeah, we're here. Yeah. 
I got to ask this question now that you're saying that. How hard is it to go from that transformation, fast, you know, life, and now a working man for what you said, a real man now, day-to-day working, and, you know, how is that transformation for you? I like it because, you you know, being in the street, you're always looking over your shoulder. Like, you're always watching this and you're watching that and you're watching this person and you... But, you know, when you're working, you're just worrying about getting up in the morning and completing this day of work and getting paid on Friday and paying these bills. And, you know what I mean? But, you know, that street stuff, like, you don't have to worry about none of that. Right. Sleep better at night. Sleep better at night. Is there anything you want to add before we go? I love your show. Oh, thank you, Uncle I watch it. I watch it. I be watching you. Thank you. you Shout out to, to the fam. To the fam. Shout out to the fam. Yeah. And um, I do want to say this. I don't know if you heard this. Um, I talked to your son, man, who's mm-hmm. currently in prison. He said, my dad's a soldier. And that just, I, the way he said it gave me a feeling. Like, he for sure knew, like, my dad is a soldier as a protector. It's like, and he was secure in saying that. How does that make you feel? Yeah, that made me feel good. Like, you, when your kids feel like, you know, they can depend on you and they trust you and they, you know, and they, they kind of look up to you like, you know, because a lot of fathers don't, you know, don't really have that with their sons. Right. So that that makes me feel good. I love this. And thank you so much. Even with you in, being in prison when you were, I can call you anytime and say, Uncle P, I need you on the show. you like, I'm here. And I love that. And I respect that. Mm-hmm. Thank Anytime you so you much. Me, I'll be here. I love you. I love you too. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you. Yeah, you already know. <laughs> Make sure you follow me on TikTok, The Naked Truth Podcast. You can also follow me on Facebook, Courtney LaShawn. And don't forget about YouTube and Instagram, The Naked Truth for Courtney. Until then, stay true.